and welcome to yet another edition of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic, and I'm joined by a very special guest. Hey, how's it going? I'm Chase. How's it going? Hi, Chase. How you doing? Uh, Chase, uh, your voice does not sound familiar to me. You have not been on the show before. Uh, how did you end up here? Uh, oddly enough, through a wormhole of Spotify podcasts and... I think actually listening to opening arguments, I'm pretty sure somewhere along the line they mentioned you. Wow. Okay. Um, I have no idea how that connection would have been made. I have no connection with opening <laughs> arguments whatsoever. Uh, I've never had any of them on as a guest. I've never mentioned the show on the podcast. So, uh, uh, I, I mean, it, it could either was them or our podcast similar to them that I was listening to that just mentioned you. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I found you. Huh, okay. So uh, you heard about us through uh, smart people talking about smart things. And boom, here you are. So uh, we have not uh, had any communication until about two days ago. How did that happen? What was the process? Uh so I was listening to a first year episode um, where you were going back and forth discussing the, I guess, the ideas on hell. And so I guess that kind of got me really intrigued into your show in the first place. So I started going through your backlog and I was like, hmm. I kept listening to people and hearing their conversations and your conversations and hearing the comments and made and things I was agreeing with and disagreeing with. And like so badly I needed to reply. So I had to reach out. Okay, great. And how did you reach out? Uh, um, so I went to the website, and there was an email for me to go ahead and contact you from. And I went ahead and contacted you literally the same day we were already setting it up. Booyah! You see, people, you see how easy it is? Skeptics and Seekers at gmail.com. I mean, honestly, I just got a, out of the blue an email from uh, Chase saying, hey, uh, I've, I've listened to your show. Uh, it seems cool. Love to be on it. What would it take? I sent back a reply saying, hey, no problem. You're practically already there. Let's do it. Um, that's, that's pretty much the process, people. The bar is really low. It's low. Look how low it is. We got Chase on. <laughs> so... <laughs> So come on, folks. I uh, look. I have a secret goal to talk to to have a conversation with every listener of the show. Is that realistic? Nope. Prove me wrong. Email me. Let's have a conversation. Uh, guess what? I didn't even know whether Chase was a Christian or an atheist or a Buddhist or a, a you know a suicide cultist uh, when I said he could come on the show. I didn't know. I just found out. Don't care. Don't care what you believe. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's find out. Okay. So uh, we got that out of the way, Chase. Hey, a couple of things that I want to uh, talk to you about. First of all, uh, are you a Christian or an atheist? I'm an atheist. Uh, So are you okay identifying as an atheist, or do you prefer a weasel word like uh, agnostic? (laughs) Uh, I I personally don't prefer agnostic, only because I don't see a way in which one can really be agnostic i think that either you believe in something or you don't um and if you're still waiting to believe believe in something that means you don't believe currently so hence there is no real middle ground so i kind of see it that way too so good on you sorry agnostics (laughs) um anyway uh have you ever been 
a believer? Are you an Christian, or are you a um, a, a pure uh, non-believer from from the start? No, so I am not a pure non-believer from the start. I used to be a Christian, um, Methodist Christian, non-denominational Christian. Um, I mean, I was born, I mean, born essentially raised in the church, as people like to say. And then I started reading myself at some point uh, to start teaching, and here I am. Okay, so uh, were you... Did you were you you were born into the church? Is that did I hear you say that, or did you convert mm-hmm. to Christianity at some point? How did that happen? So I was born into church. My entire family, essentially, um, at least on one side, is mostly ministers and pastors and bishops of that sort. And uh, so it was essentially taught to me from the day that I was born. Okay, so uh, can uh, can. Can I reveal your race uh, here on air? Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, this uh, this this uh, this fellow I'm talking to, Chase. He's a brother, uh, people. Um, and uh, I mentioned that because I don't think I've ever <laughs> had a uh, person of uh, dark complexion on the show uh, besides I, myself. I am now surprised. Actually, I mean to be quite honest, I when. I mean, being that's an all audio show, uh, I mean, like discovering that myself about you was like a shock. I was like, "Oh, whoa!" <laughs> so it kind of got me. I mean, kind of got me a little bit more excited to know that I was not the only one who was able to find my way out because I do know there's very few and far in between of us. Right, and I um, the, one of the reasons I wanted to just kind of hang a lantern on that is because you were as you were talking about your background. Uh, everyone's a, a, a preacher, uh, you know, a bishop, a reverend, something, a deacon, something. This is this is culturally true of a lot of us, right? Um, the church <laughs> yeah. is a is a cultural institution in the black community more so than it is in the white community. In the white community, it's it's a religious institution with some culture attached. In the black community, it's a cultural uh, staple with some religion attached. I mean, it's it's almost for a lot of us like uh, essentially our lives. Like that's like you, that is it. You are the church. So can I um, can I ask what part of the world you are from? Yeah, so I'm from California, uh, Los Angeles, California. They, they have churches uh, in California. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they're attending them too much now, but uh, they are definitely still all around. You'll see them here and there with uh, smaller and smaller congregations, thankfully. But who knows? Sometimes they get their, their burst when things like this happen, like right now. Yeah. So, Chase, I, I saw an article uh, the other day. Uh, Tyler B., one of, the, one of our listeners, uh, posted it uh, on a board, and the article was 3,000 California churches uh, were going to basically run the gauntlet and open up their churches for um, for uh, Passover Sunday, regardless of the law. And the takeaway from that headline I got was, there are 3,000 churches in California. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So... 
<laughs> Dang. <laughs> oh, wow. It's, I mean, it, and it's crazy because a lot of those are those are the ones that you don't you just really don't even expect. A lot of the churches that do these kind of things, in my opinion, the ones that I've attended at least, are always the ones you don't really expect to do those kind of things just because of how they initially portray themselves and things like that. Next thing you know, you find yourselves talking very radically. Yeah. So let me let me I I I can't say we're going off topic, but we don't really have a topic. So it's it's hard to go off topic (laughs) when you don't have an official topic. There are some things I want to talk about, uh, but I find this. this background stuff fascinating. So I ask the audience to bear with me a little bit. Um, so uh, also in black communities and um, uh, predominantly black churches, we see um, we have the language of black church uh, and white church uh, and sometimes mixed church. And sometimes uh, we'll use uh, a weasel word like predominantly black church uh, or a predominantly white church, meaning it's mostly that, but there's, you know, one person from another color who got other lost. people sprinkled there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, when, where you are, and I don't know that much about the church scene in, um, on the West coast per se. I did live in, uh, Portland, uh, and uh, Seattle and I spent some time there, but, um, I mostly know church very well in the South. So tell me, in uh, on the West Coast, is it is church as segregated there as it is here, or is it more uh, mixed? Did you grow up in a segregated church environment? Did you grow up in a mixed environment? Tell me about that. Um, so, I mean, interestingly enough, it it still ha- it definitely still has its segregations in a sense so my initial churches that i came from um was the ame churches and those are right. known to be predominant are known to be black churches so right. i mean not predominantly the black churches. they were made yeah, no they are <laughs> they were designed yeah. to be black churches there are exactly. no white like, that's, that's actually their history <laughs> like that's literally their history they preach and talk about like from the pictures to the way they choose their colors and everything so yeah. i mean that's the initial churches i was raised in and then it wasn't until later i got into i guess i guess it's called mixed churches because at that point my family felt that they didn't want to be i mean so i guess i would say that's that is I could, that is a, a plus one I can get my family and seeing like even in under in that part of the understanding of their of their world that there was a bias there that they had to break out of, mm-hmm. um, and then that's what got us into mixed churches. So like uh, what is it the uh, the Calvary chapels, and so that's where mm-hmm. I ended up, and then from there I I moved on to what is it. Uh, Faith, uh, faith ministries are where prosperity ministry that's what uh, it's called right those tend to um, be pretty um integrated um in, in my uh, experience so the one i was actually at was that one was definitely a black a black church interesting black prosperity uh church um those are actually those are most definitely a a on the rise thing that I would say is more concerning to me than um, a lot of at least standard churches, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So let me we'll, we'll wow. get to that in just a moment. I just want to uh, double back in case the audience is uh, a little bit perplexed by something I said uh, a little earlier that Amy churches uh, were designed to be black churches from the start. AME stands for African African Methodist Episcopal. Okay, it it literally is a a, uh, a black church. So, uh, but it's not uh, in in the defense of uh, the AME churches. Uh, they were not formed because black people didn't like white people. They were initially the Methodist Church was very integrated. It was extremely integrated. But the problem historically uh, is that uh, it was it was um, there was a problem with fairness. So there's still that uh, racism that people have to deal with. In, in mixed situations. And so black bishops, they weren't promoting uh, black people to bishops and, and priests and things that, um, you know, are in positions of authority in uh, the Methodist church. And the only way uh, black people could express their, their full um, priesthood, if you will, is, was to form uh, black churches. This, by the way, is how we, also ended up with things like black universities and black banks um, and uh, things like that. It's it's not that black people wanted their own segregated uh, piece of the world. It is that the world would not accept them and allow them to be full citizens in um, in in traditional institutions. So this is this is kind of the history of black churches, and I just want to provide that bit of history uh, for those who are just not, who are not familiar with uh, things like uh, the AME uh, movement and uh, the Zion movement, I think uh, would be it's um, another big one. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, anyway, uh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to derail us, but I thought that. Um, uh, oh, no, I mean, that, that was fine. I think that was a perfect uh, tidbit that always needs to be thrown in when mentioning those groups yeah yeah and i you know i i believe my audience is predominantly white <laughs> so <laughs> it's hard it's hard to tell with the comment uh you know i can't say you know you sound you sound you sound white uh are you a white <laughs> i can't <laughs> so um oh, you know comments are pretty much without race um and so right but i uh just just from talking to people they they don't seem to have the kinds of concerns in their comments that if you were on a black uh community board you would you'd hear about certain things you would you would kind of be able to tell and so uh yeah segregation uh racism this is a real thing um black churches exist there are some churches that are trying to rise above that and in uh, in the realm of uh pentecostal charismatic uh, movements which is kind of where i plant the prosperity teaching um i know that you can get prosperity teaching outside of charismatic churches but I've mostly seen it there. Charismatic churches are some of the most uh, racially integrated churches I've seen. They um, and and I and I want to applaud charismatic churches for that. Now I think that most of them are batshit crazy. I've attended uh, many, <laughs> uh, but they they um, inspire the batshit crazy 
across all races. <laughs> so uh, tell me more about <laughs> a, a, a black prosperity uh, church. Um, where I come from, that's almost a contradiction in terms. Um, who's prosperous <laughs> there? <laughs> it, it, that's what's crazy. So um, with this one, I mean, it, it all in and of itself is just a huge scam. Um, but it's a scam that at least, I don't know how rampant it is everywhere else, but at least on the West Coast, I'm seeing it come pop up all over the place because they're also getting like radio shows and things like this. Well, they will be, they are black pastors and um, with whole black congregations, at least in their churches. Um, and then they're, they're those pay, you know, that pay and pray type mentality. And, you know, but then they're rolling up these, these, these guys that are rolling up with these nice cars and these nice suits and these like they, but they'll, but they, they play it weird is that they, they keep the churches itself small. Um, so it's like really, instead of like being the ones that, you know, you're, I'm sure you're thinking of like the ones like the Joel Olsteins where they have the mm-hmm. mega churches and things like that. They, it's almost like the game they're playing is different. It definitely is only for themselves. At least I, that's how I've always seen it. Now, if they want to tell me differently by all means. Uh, but from what my experience is, I've seen that these are people who they keep their church poor and because they have all their money. Sure. And, and so they're they, playing, they're they, playing on hope. Um, yeah, it's the same. Heavily. It's the same impulse uh, that gets poor people to spend what money they have on lottery tickets. Um, exactly, that's precisely what it is. Yeah, um, the charismatic. Uh, there's another thing that I would praise the charismatic churches for, uh, and that is uh, in terms of people with disability. Uh, they they tend to really attract people with disabilities. I say that not just as a pure praise, but just as a follow-on to this idea. Uh, people who proclaim uh, the most miracles tend to attract people who need miracles. But from the outside, it looks very strange to have a name-it-and-claim-it uh, kind of church full of poor disabled people (laughs) so there's something wrong with that picture when you just take a 10,000 foot view but that that tends to to happen a lot yeah i mean these people are i mean essentially they're not going to stop giving their money because i mean one they they get obviously a lot of these people have get checks because of their disabilities or they're gonna they're gonna work so that they can give that money in there all right and it's kind of a hope against hope that you know this time I'll be cured. Um, yeah. So, uh, and, and even even the slightest bit of relief, just because of you know, I mean, and we all know the percentages of anything of feeling better or completely healing. There's always a percentage for almost everything. Uh, they just, even if it's not really a solve, it's just that's what they that's what they gave for their what is it uh, like a praise report? Yeah, so that's what they call it. So let me let me ask a little bit uh, more about your background, if that's okay. So you um, that's fine. you were raised a believer. When did you stop being a believer? So I was about nine. I was about I would say nineteen to twenty when I fully was a non-believer. But I would say all along the way, I had large issues in. Mm-hmm 
the story itself. So, I mean, I guess for a long a lot for a long time in my life, I was considered like I was under the belief that everyone like myself and hearing these stories thought that these were things to help us understand things. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like, but then it gets to the point where, of course, as you get older, past the younger, like the younger kid stories that you get now told that this is a literal story. This, this is literal history. And that was about when I was in middle school and things like that. And having to now get those talks about evolution and et cetera, and going to that portion of school and so then I, I was always sitting in this weird state of, well, I really want to believe it, so I'm going to believe it, um, because how could everyone, at least around me, be wrong? Um, mm-hmm. they, they, why would they tell me something bad? So I mean, that's how I was. And then uh, when I was about 19, 20, I was um, already helping in churches and things like that, helping in the youth ministry. So I wanted to start teaching, like for real teaching myself. But I realized, uh, obviously, can't teach what I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really did pick up my Bible and start reading it, like my dad always kept telling me. Um, and after reading it, it was it was almost like that. Like I almost wanted to go back to him and be like, "Was this what you like? Was this what you wanted me to get to?" Because <laughs> because like, I feel like that was the long that was the long game joke, right? Like. That, like, how could this be true? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I find a lot of people who uh, say, you know, what you should do is read your Bible have never actually read their Bible. Um, <laughs> nope. No one expects you to actually pick it up and read it. <laughs> so. <laughs> but, and you know what? It, uh, but so I can say that my family is definitely, they really, like, they genuinely do read their Bibles. I have sat, I've even sat, I've even. Like for my I can I don't know how extreme anyone's family is. I'll say for my family alone, it was extreme to the point where when I was a kid, we were getting up, when I was staying over over other family members' house to have full on Bible studies and read like full on, full on cha- chapters with and questions and all. Um, and it's now to the point where ah, that's how are you guys reading this and. Like, are we reading the same thing? So now, I guess now, kind of, it, it's always made me question. It led me into just now going into how, understanding how people how people know what they know and epistemology and, and and such things like that. Okay, so right. So if once again, if I can make another racially charged comment, come at me, bros, in the comments. <laughs> by the way, um, so I um, I have been sorry, I got you back in, on this in talks with uh, Andrew. Um, one of the one of the people I podcast with, longtime friend, uh, yeah, and I, um, I've heard him. Like yeah, yeah, sharp guy, sharp guy for a whitey. Um, <laughs> but, come at me, bros. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Andrew and I have known each other for a long time. Hey, let us have some fun, But uh, yeah, he he and I have been uh, talking about uh, coming together and doing a, a project on race uh race in the church and uh, maybe race in general in um uh, the uh the world um to to kind of see where we really are and talk about the uh issue of race historically and um so forth so um it's 
I'm I'm talking about this now. Think think of this as a preview audience. You you're gonna hear more of this um, maybe later in the year when we uh, actually put it together. Uh, I I uh, will say in my experience, uh, it is uh, it is much more likely that uh, a black Christian has read their Bible than a white Christian, uh, and I don't know exactly why that is. Uh, probably partly because church is such uh, you know so culturally important to us. Uh, a lot of the people who rise to the ministry, not all of them go through uh, seminary. Some of them come through just that they were baptized when they were seven and they've been reading their Bible every day uh, uh, their entire lives. Uh, there are several ways to go, but the fact is I, I personally think we tend to cling to our Bibles harder is because we need to more. Uh, I mean, I, I would say that we've definitely been been put in a position in life where we need a we feel like we need a lot more hope than than others sometimes. Yeah, and that, I think that's what they and that's what they gave us. That was what we yeah. had to cling to. Right, right. Um, so a lot, a lot more that can be said um, there. Uh, that said, we we also though we read our Bibles and we do what we call studying our Bibles. I, I think. All Christians fall kind of short in this area. They, we read devotionally uh, and not critically. So by reading devotionally, I mean you, you just take the message as given. Uh, this, is, this is the word of God, and this is what God said, and you know this is the history that uh, he gave us, and... Uh, you know, praise be to God. You know, you get it's you, you're reading it worshipfully, um, yeah. as opposed to you just reading kind of it. Miss everything, right? You do. You miss everything. So, reading critically uh, is something that uh, I can tell you is not encouraged in any church that I've ever attended, um, because there there is no real criticism of the text that you can make. This is the word of, uh, this is the word of the Lord. Um, there is no, um, contradiction. There is no, uh, doctrinal or philosophical or scientific issue. Why are you looking at it that way? You're reading it wrong. Uh, if you're looking at it that way, right? (laughs) I I mean, if, if you don't mind me, I, I remember when I was having like my initial sort of like like a real big mental struggle. And, and when I was making that decision of saying Christian or becoming atheist, I had, I had talked to, I had talked to my brother and I asked him a question like about, I was like, hmm, I was like, I was like, does, I was like, don't you have, like, I asked him something like, this, they kind of came out to him saying, don't you have issues with a lot of these things? Or like, like, don't you, like, don't you think this is kind of weird? And I guess like, and so, mind you, he is a pastor himself, and the answer he gave me was along the lines of, "Well, this book is just a book. I'm like, but Jesus is, you know, who he's looking at and what he meant and what he did." And I, I'm, and like, I'm just list taking in this answer. I'm like, but you just, but that's all in this book only. So how do you, like, how do you say those two things at the same time back to back? As if, 
as if they don't contradict. <laughs> like I walk, I walk, I walked out that day not even understanding what I had just heard, but just logically. Yeah, yeah. You uh, you sound a lot like uh, me. <laughs> Careful how far you go down that road. You might. Uh, it end up talking into a mic uh, every other day. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, it's it, it. There, there comes a point when you're when you're looking at it, and um, there's there's cognitive dissonance. Uh, there's the things that you've been taught, and the things that you know that it's supposed to be saying or leaning toward, and there's what it's actually saying. And uh, when you when you bring this up to people, uh, you know, who, you know, I used to have conversations with my dad, who was a preacher. Obviously, he's a preacher. He's a black man. Um, I, uh, <laughs> when I would bring this stuff up, um, his answers when I was younger used to sound very clear and authoritative. But as I got older and started asking better questions, his answers just kind of started sounding empty and silly. And there came a time, uh, probably in my late 20s, no, I'd say my um, early to mid-30s, when I stopped asking my father questions, I I realized, you know, I think I've gone further than him in the thought process here. And it's, it's, it's no good anymore. It's just, uh, it's just antagonism at this point to keep asking him questions. Uh, and I didn't want to do that. And yeah. So at some point you get to the point where there is no one left in the church that you can talk to about this stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of like you feel, you feel trapped because when you, especially when in that initial, most definitely in the initial moments because you real it's at least for me i started to realize that in the in the way that i learned that this is not real for me at least um it was coming to understand how people know what they know and then not also that but how important knowing what they know is to a person and so having these conversations sometimes like i would even have them with my grandfather and it's realizing when you want to ask those questions that you almost can't because it, it attacks something so core to them and now leads you into another duty that you you yourself aren't ready for and that's almost kind of picking up their brain and helping it along this yeah so let me um let me let me ask you this uh are you an out atheist or or are you i am closeted you're okay so your your family knows Yes, at least are, my main my main my main family that I talk to knows. Have you have you been evicted? Are you homeless? Um, no. Do you need help? No, right I'm now? okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, hey, I can always use some help, but no, I'm I'm just fine. I'm here on my own uh, with my well, girlfriend and everything. So I I ask half just uh, jestingly because you know these. Uh, it's really hard to uh, to come out atheist in a black community it's you know it's not it's not easy for anybody but it's really hard in a black community it it it's so for me it was literally like have i mean it was almost like having to cut off an arm like having to cut off an arm and when trying to say the words 
and I was even just over the phone for me. Like I, I was at least been like fortunate enough to have a conversation over the phone at a distance, so that way at least kind of created some sort of less anxiety for me. Um, did, did you use a vocoder? Yeah. Hello, mom and dad. I'm. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, unfortunately, with my mom, it was easy. It was an easy, easy conversation. It was more just like because we've always, at least growing up, she's always had been more willing to act, go down the, the deeper rabbit holes with me in the more philosophical discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, just because she's always been more, that more free parent, so to speak, um, but still just believing in God, just for the culture of it all, and because of how what they what they what she needs it for, um, and then also, but on the other side, not so much having those conversations at all. Um, sorry, ah, sorry, sidetracked myself. Can you please repeat that question? <laughs> I don't know what I said. I I forget questions as soon as I ask them. Um, So the the process, it was, um, it sounds like you came out the other side uh, just fine. But I I just, look, I have have tried to have that conversation with my own parents. Uh, And I won't recount the the gory details of it here, but it it was not pretty. I have a very good I'm relationship sorry. with my family, uh, so that the the relationship is good. Um, but it is good because we don't talk about it anymore. <laughs> it was it was, so, it was uh, very you know bad when we talked about it. <laughs> where we're at, where actually that's exactly I would say that's exactly where I'm at now in a sense. Because I mean, it is still I would say the the whole reveal is still a little bit more recent. I would say um, it's only been some months now. Uh, but I guess like now, I mean, for a long time, there was a lot of issues with me wanting to even talk to, um, at least my father, cause you know, it's, it's so ingrained in him that it, it, it kind of locks me out of surface level conversation. Yeah. Uh, because you know, there's not much things I can go into or things I can tell him about and, and such. So, or just not that I can't just that it's, is it even worth it to have that conversation? Is that like, am I, why, like, why would I do, why would I do that to someone else? Like, and and not put them in that position to have that kind of a conversation, especially when I know how they feel about said said things. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so for people wondering, um, I haven't even told my parents about the book project, (laughs) the, the, uh, surviving Corona, (laughs) Uh, I'll talk about that later in the show because I am contractually contractually obligated to do it. I I contract it myself. Um, but I'm um, curious about it myself. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I I, uh, I I can't even talk to my parents about that, um, and it's the most important thing going on uh, with me right now. But it's um, it's it's just a topic that's not worth risking uh, so basically what we do is we pretend like um we pretend like they don't know i'm an atheist and i pretend like um you know they don't they don't try to ram god down my throat because that that didn't work well when they were doing that and i don't ram my atheism down their throat and so we're happy we're fine but i i picture my parents uh, crying themselves to sleep at night um, because I'm going to go to hell, and there's there's yeah, no getting uh, around that. That. Is a, that is a sad, I mean, fact that sometimes we always got to face 
in it, and I guess that's kind of like why I myself fell ultimately on, I guess like if I had to give myself another label, uh, it would be anti-theist just because of I, I fully understand the damage while in and out and having people be on both sides of that fence, so to speak, uh, existing at one time. It, it, it creates a, uh, a, a mental disparity that's just not even necessary. Yeah. So, okay. So you're... You're out. You're out of it now. Uh, you're out on your own, uh, making your way through the world. Um, you have uh, a, a reasonably good relationship with your uh, Christian family still. So you've made it to the other side, and you're okay. Yeah. Okay. That's um, that's that's very good. So let's let's talk about some of those beliefs that you have uh, walked away from. Um, you say you picked up uh, Skeptics and Seekers with the Hill podcast. We actually had two uh, shows back-to-back uh, on Hill, yep. so I hope you heard them both. Um, so what was your view on Hill? And, uh, you know, if you want to say, what what is your family's view on Hill? So my view on Hill was i under since they were telling me that this is a literal and i when reading the sections saying like it is a place of a lake of fire and things like that i uh, i pictured it as a, a literal place i mean i guess you could say that the dante's inferno is the closest idea i could think of probably minus the layers mm-hmm. um it's a torture chamber essentially yeah basically a real torture chamber uh that just people are in um, and then for my families, uh, so I think they themselves aren't fully settled on what it is, from what I can tell, because in half and half com- in ha- half of the descriptions, they focus on the the literal separation idea that the suffering is just the fact that you're separated from God and you're just somewhere separated, uh, and that's just hell. You're in hell. Um, not much more of an explanation than that, to be quite honest. So I, I'm sorry, I can't give you more than one if you don't understand, uh, anyone who's listening. Um, and then they also believe at the same time the, the literal place of torture. Um, so I guess maybe, I guess I would say maybe they're believing in a double, a, a double sense of torture in a sense, the, the literal understanding of the separation and the fact that you're being physically tortured. Uh... When, when your father uh, yeah, preaches on hell, would does he describe hell as a torture chamber or as just separation from God, or does he say both when he's preaching? Uh, he uses both. It just, I think it depends on the context in which he is trying to. It usually depends on the conversation that he's trying to convey, or like. So, if he's using the separation, that seems to come from his more sincere attempts. Mm-hmm. And then I think the hell, the description comes from more of like the the reason he uses that more as the reason why you you should go out and save others. Okay, so if if someone says no, hell is not a torture chamber. It is not a lake of fire. None of that is literal. Would your father 
agree with that person or disagree with that person? He would disagree with them. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, my family is also, uh, uh, torture chamber uh, it's like a fire the Bible, <laughs> bibles are clear about what it is there's no yeah I, no I ambiguity about that <laughs> so, yeah um you are going to burn in hell is what's is what's going to happen um and my father and my mother as near as i can tell do not have a problem with that idea they don't they don't look at that and wonder about god's um goodness they and that from their perspective that's perfectly okay well actually i take that back my i first brought that question up when he drowned us all mm. except for a couple yeah go ahead go ahead uh, I, I didn't i was just uh, yeah. actively listening <laughs> okay sorry sorry yeah or uh or the time before that when he made a he called the devil himself to make a deal about a man to see how how bad he can torture him and see if he can just get him to stop worshiping. Like the devil didn't, didn't, inst- uh, didn't start this. God himself said, Hey, I bet you he will not stop worshiping me no matter how bad we torture him. And the devil was like, all right. <laughs> so anyone who hasn't read the story of Job, please read over that. And please tell me who starts that discussion. It is discussion. Really a bar bet. It's a bar bet. <laughs> This man loses everything over nothing. Like there wasn't. Like I don't even know if there was maybe souls involved, money of whatever they, whatever those kind of things. They just was like, "Ah, either I win or I lose. That's it. (laughs) So I I know. Once again, a digression. Uh, You can get get me talking all day on Job. Um, I have had the Job conversation with my father. It didn't go well, Um, but. Um, yeah, Job, the worst thing in the story of Job, and you can say that about so many things in the book of Job, uh, the worst part of the book of Job for me, uh, is just the casual way in which the children were offed. Uh, they were just game pieces on a board. They're not even worthy of names. Uh, they're, it, they're just collateral damage. You know, Satan wants to to uh, Harry Job. Yeah, it's just like God. God is like, okay, you can do anything, but don't physically hurt Job. Okay, I'll kill his kids. That was not out of bounds. That was fine. Um, and they're just casually offed. Um, it's it's horrifying, um, it, and at the end of the book, uh, Job, uh, you know, his his daughters are killed, but God blesses Job, and he has a long life, and he gets lots of money. And again, one of the most terrible things in that book, and he gets th- uh, more daughters who were even more beautiful than his other daughters as if this is compensation <laughs> this like, is why, you, why did that matter why did, why does that matter but it, this is the thing i mean here y- your kids are even prettier than they were before forget those other kids screw those guys um <laughs> i don't <laughs> you didn't need them they were they were holding you back they weren't real people they were don't worry about it <laughs> Like I guess I never. And it's funny I never even got around to ever asking anyone. Like when I was like still like believing the question, did they get like a free pass to heaven? Like that first family. 
Because like I, I have, no I have always had loads of questions about this this first generation or first this Old Testament of people because there was just a, a it was just a roll of the dice apparently if you were going to heaven or not. No, no, stop kidding yourself. There's no heaven. There's no heaven at that time. <laughs> there was no heaven. They didn't believe in heaven. Okay, that was <laughs> they would. It was you know read Ecclesiastes. This is this is the life we got. Um, and so look, I I digress again. I could talk all day about Job. Um, <laughs> And and the thing is, you hear a lot of Job in black churches. <laughs> you get a you got a lot of they have so many opportunities to look at this story and see the horror of it. This God worshiping man. <laughs> they don't. So I, look, I got to. I'm gonna. I'm, just, I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull back there, you guys. If you want to talk more about Job. <laughs> We've got the comments for this, okay? Uh, I will be bring there. Me on again for that conversation. <laughs> I would love for that. Wow. Yeah. So let's um, let's let's just see uh, how how deep your atheism slash anti theism runs. I just want to run a few arguments by you, a few thoughts by you, and uh, see how you respond. And so. I'm uh, I'm going to put my Christian hat on uh, here for All a right. moment and uh, just, excuse me, talk to you a bit. Okay, so Chase, tell me uh, why, since you were a Christian before, you obviously didn't find Christianity unbelievable. In fact, you believed in it. And so why all of a sudden? Do you find it unbelievable? So, I guess for me it was, I kept falling under that. If everyone else thinks it's true, then how could it be wrong? And even mis- even misunderstand loads of misunderstandings on every word I was thinking in my head on that even thought on that one thought. Uh, just who is everyone not realizing it's really not that not that many everyone's in in the specific idea that i believed uh and then just going down the road of hmm, maybe i should actually look into what it is that is i'm being told is real so to speak like there is a description out there because i don't have to play this guessing game of oh what does it think how does it act where can i see it how can i see it um I mean, I was always taught the Bible is a literal, t- a literal telling of history. Um, so we all know about history. If it happened, you can see it. Uh, world floods happened, whole wars happened, whole people were existing in a place and enslaved, and it's as if today none of it happened. So, and I, I'm definitely, I definitely couldn't believe that there was this, this large world conspiracy that everyone's just hiding all the evidence. And so I was like, well, maybe it was just like a, just like a Homer's Odyssey. Well, what, what are you saying in the Bible didn't happen? Uh, do you, what, what do you have evidence for that the Bible says happened that you say now didn't happen? Um, so I wouldn't say that I have, actually, you know what? I take that. I, 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 I take back that beginning statement. I, so the Bible makes very large claims on physical actions that happen within our world, despite their, the deity being non-physical and separate from our world. He does make physical actions within our world. Um, if 
a, fl- a world flood happened, we can see how a flood can happen anywhere. Uh, we should see a disbursement of fossils and random given places that should not be there. Okay, but uh, the Bible doesn't say it was a world flood. It says it. I mean, when it when it talks that way, uh, that's also consistent uh, with a local flood with everyone in that world. I mean, surely that's not the reason that you don't believe in the Bible because you've, you've taken a hyper literalistic no. view of Noah's story. And now you're trying to say, oh, God isn't real simply because you don't understand how to read the Bible. So are you saying God's a liar if you believe in him? No, I'm saying that you have a deficiency in understanding what God is saying. Now, isn't it possible that the problem is with your understanding of this ancient text and not with the author of the ancient text? Isn't that at least possible? It. It would be possible, except in the same text, it says that this deity is not the author of confusion. So I should not be confused when I read this. My understanding is clear. But he's not the author of your confusion. Am I, I mean, not just, reading his his text? Well, but just because you are confused, that doesn't mean that he is the one confusing you. So... Would you agree that when reading the text, understanding, at least from when I was growing up a Christian, I was taught that understanding came through the Holy Spirit, correct? I believe that the Holy Spirit plays a role in that, sure. So, are you, so I mean, I was under the belief that I was, I mean, I was under the belief at the time that I was experiencing, uh, so to speak, um, what I mean, I guess what you could say felt like a a divine understanding, um, and there are other Christians who would, who I can definitely talk to who would agree with. with I mean, with those same sentiments that <clears throat> that I actually who actually argue no, you do see evidence of world floods and et cetera, and things like Noah's Ark uh, actually being real, but that is actually still not the case so yeah, but just because somebody is wrong about that doesn't mean that god is the author of their confusion do you so blame a teacher just because a bad student fails a test do you automatically say oh that's a bad teacher um no but when there are large numbers then, of then why do you said- blame the holy spirit just because uh, we, uh, who as free will uh, people have the power to quench the spirit, why do you blame the spirit when we use uh, choose to quench the spirit? Hmm. So, I guess, I guess, kind of bringing it back to that teacher. No, you don't immediately blame a teacher when a student doesn't understand. But when you see a large collection of students not understanding, now we now we need to go look at that teacher's teaching methods. Maybe he's doing something wrong. Um, now. I was under now. If we're just understanding this, this God correctly, He doesn't do things wrong. Um, so this whole idea that I mean, I, I, quite honestly, it's almost as if this idea of His perfection is what covers that entire understanding of understanding bridge that we're trying to uh, fill. Okay, but what if He hasn't done anything wrong? But we are, but we are simply in, stu- in such a broken state uh, that we can't understand 
him. We refuse to understand him, that part of us is fighting against understanding him. Uh, isn't that uh, at least possible that, you know, once again, the, the problem isn't the teaching method. The problem is our capacity. Furthermore, it's not just a matter of natural capacity. It's a matter of the amount of natural, the, the evil that we choose to take on. The more evil we take on, the harder it's going to be to uh, understand things of the spirit. And finally, there is a matter of uh, Satan who is also working to make sure that we stay as confused as possible. And if you are not, uh, in fact, uh, uh, surrendering to the spirit of God, you are, in fact, going to uh, fall to the wiles of the devil and you're you're going to be blinded uh, and not understand. But at, at a critical level, that's within our control. You can win this war. You can come out of that. You can accept Jesus and have the full endowment of the Holy Spirit to protect you against this confusion. So... Are you saying that when so I mean I was a fully professed uh, fully so uh, so called Jesus accepted Many Christian will say to me Lord Lord so right and but are you are now are you denying I mean and are you denying me how genuine I was in my ask uh, no I I look I don't know how genuine you were I don't I don't know I don't know your walk but I know that many are deceived in believing that they have accepted Jesus, and they really haven't. The Bible tells us as much, that there will be these people who are so convinced uh, that they uh, are in the right place, that they can even cast out demons in, in the name of Jesus, and yet still not be obedient to his word. And so you might be in that category. And that's a terrible category to be in. Uh, we well, also, I would say that those are where that is describing quite definitely a disingenuine person. So I ask again, are you saying am I a disingenuine in my ask? Oh, I don't think that uh, it does describe disingenuous people. I, th- I think that so, these were, I think these are people uh, who in their own frame of understanding were honest. But what is a sinful, uh, spiritually broken person really know about self-honesty? So are so are you are you so you're saying you have this perfect understanding of just that one I mean even just that one text I mean from even from what we're gathering right now it seems like you have this perfect understanding of a word of of I mean of this of this book so I I need I almost sort of feel like I need to ask you um are, are do you have are you saying that you have the right understanding of this book. Uh, this the spirit will guide us into all truth and what i can say about your uh sincerity uh the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked who can know it even the prophets understood this truth and so if if you have come to the point where you're saying i know that i am honest and i am full of integrity and i am reading the bible the way it should be and accepting god the way i should be and I see problems with it. When you come to that understanding, you kind of make yourself better than God. What you need to be open to is the fact that you don't see exactly as God sees. And when you find yourself questioning God, that's a pretty good um, indication that you're, 
your sincerity and confidence in yourself uh, is subsuming what the Spirit is trying to tell you. And the Bible tells us something about those people, that uh, when people want to be that way, he will send them a strong delusion so that they will believe a lie. You might be believing a lie. You might be under a strong delusion. And you need to consider that possibility for yourself. And if you cannot consider that possibility for yourself, that may be proof that you're already there. Well, of course, I've already, already considered that. I, I've... I'm under the understanding that I can be wrong about completely anything. Um, even I, and even when I was a Christian, I was under, understanding, under the understanding that I could always be having a, a misunderstanding myself because of the of my understanding of sin itself. So again, I mean, I guess it still leads me to understand. Like you seem like you're you're. We seem to have different 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 understandings of some of the same words, um, or even some of the intentions of God. So. Again, I, I mean, it seems like you have this perfect understanding, and I feel like I need to kind of know where this perfect understanding is coming from. And I mean, that would be my 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 question to you: is where is this where is this perfect understanding that you seem to be coming at me with coming from? Because let's, you seem let's to be try having a, a, let's try a, different a year from, from a person of perfection. Right. Let's try a different tack. You describe yourself as an anti-theist, not just an atheist. That, that would be bad enough. But to be an anti-theist would set yourself up against God. If, so if you don't believe that God is real, but if he were real, you would be an enemy of God. Is, is, is that an accurate statement? Um, I can't necessarily, I am an enemy of God only because I am not under the understanding that I am fighting anyone. I'm actually fighting ideas, understanding. And I mean, but I guess for me, he, for me but if lack there of was a God, you, I mean, this is the only way anti-theism makes any sense. You would be opposed to God. That is literally anti-theism. Is, is that a correct description? You would be opposed to God. And I mean, if, if I were to step into the understanding for a moment that, yes, God is absolutely real and his judgment is here. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how even I could genuinely, if, if I am here, if I am, if even from what I genuinely read in the books and let's say we accepted every single claim, every single piece of history, every single large thing, small thing, whatever. Uh, this sounds like a being who hates me in the first place, despite uh, people in this book saying that he loves me. Um, this is a being who constantly takes actions against us. Okay, so uh, let, let's just let's just examine that for a moment. Um, yeah. This this opposition to God is is it because you think God is immoral? I would, I would say that for 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 yeah, actually no yeah so for for my for my understanding of morality yes he is a being who is and where do you think a, morality comes from from I mean honestly us and how we decide we want to interact with each oh, other we and in, we invented morality. Yes. Okay, how could God be immoral if he... I mean, 
he came before us if he is real he he created us how did and and he was good before us how did we invent morality how's that even possible well at least from my worldview I'm coming from the understanding of evolution, so that I mean, I would say that's that in the first place is the at least the start of where these these sort of things are coming from. But uh, if you're believing that this God exists, He's constantly. I mean, now I mean, I do understand. I do know that there are multiple understandings of what sin may be, um, but there are rules that apparently He set, and He violates those all the time. And actually, has humans violate them for Him? So I don't think that. I mean. I, so either he's breaking laws or there are no laws, even in, even in your side. Well, okay, but you're saying that God is immoral, uh, which means that you obviously have some standard outside of God to determine what morality is. Where do you get your standard of morality from? So I, in my experience of life, have seen that everything here interacting and that's going to determine i guess what is going to go well or 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 bad or what is good or bad for us is each other so we make that decision as a collective in your in your experience uh, in your life you're uh, you you haven't lived 50 uh, uh revolutions here uh well, and even when looking back in history you can see that Decisions are are decisions, rules. What's right and wrong? Morality is even if you even if you back it up to history, God (laughs) is infinitely older than that. He has seen all of history from where it started to where it's going. So, if anyone knows what the good is based on his experience and perspective of uh, of events, it would be God. How, how do you compare your minuscule experience to that and say that you have some kind of basis for morality that anyone should care about? So, I mean, I guess if, again, if I start stepping into, again, your side for a moment, this being says that he ultimately loves us, um, I, for one, would say, I mean, I could always, I would argue that I love us more than he does. I love humans more than he does. So uh, if he's acting in a way that's showing that he is less loving than he is, how could he be more moral again? Well, if he's how do you breaking know, how these do you, laws how do you know what the said, best outcome for humanity is? How do you know? Uh, you know, I absolutely don't. Okay, I don't he think I absolutely, absolutely does. But so can, how, how can you how say you, you love you humanity know that more? He absolutely than, does by just him saying that. I can't even see the person that you're talking about that says he absolutely does. You know, I it's, a, it's a little bit like had a child. This conversation with him to say that he does. It's like it's like a six year old who insists that they know what is good for them and not their parents. And right. uh, they but, can you say, know, well, but how I, do I can you at least know? talk to my parents though. So that's the difference. The, this parent that, we're, this parent that we're comparing him. I I can honestly say that in every instance in which I mean the fact that this this so called what you're saying talking to or hearing from God at least uh, from my and even other researchers uh, perspective is that it's, it's no different than hearing our own thoughts 
or that's simply speaking to ourselves, so to speak. Well, I, uh, I know many Christians who would disagree with you. Natalie Collins would be one of them. Um, she's, she's not hearing her own voice in her head. Uh, God, um, God tells I mean, her things that she doesn't want to hear. Uh, and, one of, science and, a brain scan, and a brain scan would tell her differently. So you know that a brain scan would tell her differently when she's actually having conversations with God? That's a big claim uh, that you're making. Let me let me. I would uh, say that there is no way there is no way for her to definitely make that claim that she is talking to this being when there is no evidence of such, but there is evidence of the other explanation clearly trumping the one that she is saying. And, and there's no way for you to exclude the possibility that she's right. You're so, right, but there's also still no reason to insert it if there is no. So I, it's it's like as if it's as if we're. We're saying, yes, there's a possibility, but how does possibility trump reality? Great. So, so we, 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 we will talk about possibility, uh, perhaps. But um, switching gears for just a moment, do you, um, how do you think the, uh, the universe formed? Do you, uh, do you buy into the materialist notion that material created itself? Yes, I'm a, I would say that everything came about through what we understand as natural processes. Do, 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 me, do me a favor and just say that aloud in one sentence. Material created itself. I just want you to hear yourself say that. <laughs> yes, material came about to create other things because that is simply how things coming together yeah, works. When, you, when I mean, you say material came about, that's that's like hand-waving. That's like a magic wand. Material came about. Uh, wow, what does that mean? Uh, how did material just come about if it wasn't here already? Well, who's saying it wasn't here already? Well, you said that material came about. So what what do you mean by that? Like I said, this this is As kind of in, a hand wavy uh, woo language. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, as in we can only actually account so far back for what has uh, what has happened, and that is at the point at which we stop. So. If we can't see further past that, because there is no understanding of anything past that, and we have no possible way as of right now to know what is past that, um, then that that is our starting point as far so, back so as we can possibly the, go. What's the earliest at the moment, point at which describe the earliest moment we can see scientifically right so, now? So, I mean, any scientists who are listening, please forgive me. I am going to quite possibly botch this a little, um, but. Well, you were making um, the argument, so I assume you know what you're no, talking that's fine. about. Yeah. That's fine. I do. I mean, okay. I would say that I have a clear understanding of what I'm talking about, but because I am not the expert, uh, I do not expect myself that's to be able to okay. convey you say it you have a clear, like an expert. You have a clear understanding. Let, let's let's test it. Tell tell me about the earliest moment. So, so I, from what we can gather so far, um, there were there is a there is so I. A, but there was some materials that are here, and as I mean, and that are here, and from where they came from, there are hypotheses on what uh, they could have come from. Some materials um, that are here. Do you have any yeah, just, thought about what those materials were, and what do you mean by here? Uh, yeah. Uh, so here, where? Uh, exactly where, even right now, is still, I would say, what's trying to be gathered. Um, so at, there is a point at which there is a point in the space 
this oh. whole big thing we call space uh-huh. um, that just came together. And as those things come together, obviously one thing is not that thing if it collides with something else and becomes something else because that's literally how becoming something else works. Um, and mm-hmm. because of these things, they 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 do something. Um, they react to each other. They react with each other. And that possibility at that point, it is so in a, in a weird way, like it cause actually cause and effect. It's simply cause and effect of two things that were just small organisms, material, non non living material. Like uh, I, I forget all of the names. What, what, these, caused, whatever I tried to what, them. what caused? There's so many vacuous ideas you're throwing out there. Uh, there there was the space and then there was things and then the two things came together somehow and it was cause and effect. What is it? What? Uh, <laughs> help, help me understand the most basic no, I, thing of what you were saying. <laughs> no, I, I, excuse, I'm sorry. So I, like I said, I, I may botch this a bit. So mm. um, you, you did warn me, but you also claimed <laughs> to know exactly what you were talking about. And I am beginning to doubt this claim. Um, so the, the first matter that you um, can, can imagine what, what what was that matter? Um, so something along the lines of like an like the components of that makes an atom. Okay. Uh, All right. So do you know how atoms are formed? It is I will be quite honest. It's rough in my mind to be, to be able to describe myself. So no um, would be the answer. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, however, the, however the first atoms were, fo- <laughs> however atoms are formed now. Let's let's just say that there is a way that atoms are formed. Uh, how was the first atom formed? Um, so the first atom. So I mean. Because you're kind of you're kind of getting me on the spot for scientific uh, things, and I myself am not a scientist. Oh, I'm sorry. I, 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 thought, I thought you said that you were no. That's fine. You knew what you were talking. Look, I will be glad no, to walk so, that back. So let me I, look. Yeah, it ahead. is not my goal to make anyone feel uncomfortable. Uh, you were just making some very strong statements about what uh, happened at the beginning. Uh, without any backing. So let me tell you what uh, happened in the beginning. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Are we done here? (laughs) So how did he do that? That's not my purview to know. Well, I mean, you're you're making a large claim and saying that he did it. So right. How? Did he tell you how? Uh, knowing that someone did something doesn't mean I have to know how they did it. Uh, when I called an electrician uh, to come and fix uh, my my electricity uh, when things weren't working right, I, I don't know how they did it. I know that they came, they took a lot of my money, and then they spent some time doing things. There may have been a rain dance somewhere. I have no idea. They go into the house. I don't know what they're doing under there. It's dark and private. I have no idea. And then they come out, and then it's fixed. I don't have to know how they did it do i mm, but if, if but if, saying, but if someone but if someone says wait a minute your power was out 
uh, yesterday, and now it's fixed. What happened? I can say the electrician came and fixed it. It's it is enough, is it not, to say that? Uh, no, it's never enough just to say that because what if a person wants to check that electricians work? Make sure he did it right. Well, first, at least in, if we're talking if, if we're talking about electricians in the first place, first but if, the, but the if only person who I would allow to check my electricity is an electrician, and so. I would maybe have another electrician check it if there was something wrong with the uh, the functioning of the electricity, and then I might have to call a call in another electrician. Whoa. So I don't even understand this analogy see, you're using. Oh, well, I would definitely say that if, if we're comparing these two analogies, there's something wrong with the electrician's work. We're talking about a perfect electrician in the first place. Uh, your so-called perfect God. What's what's there wrong with the universe? Um. Yeah fact that he has no power over it being an all-powerful god what do you mean he has no imperfect, power over there it are pro- and there are things that went not according to his plan i would say that is imperfection well let's let's just say for the moment that there were things that didn't go according to his plan that has actually no bearing on whether he made it or not now you can argue you that he made it badly but that you can't argue that he didn't make it that's a that's a different argument Okay, so you're saying that you know that God made it. I am saying that we, as human beings collectives who use science to analyze claims as such, um, how things are made, how things came to be, um, right now, we, while we as every individual may not know how every single answer or every single process comes about, there is a group of people who are checking how. And these people that were granting their expertise um, are saying that that claim... Are, are, that these, this, are these the people that tell you that uh, first there was space and then there was this thing, this other thing, <laughs> and they came together and then something so, happened and then we had an atom? Are, are these the same people? So, I mean, my, 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 inab- my inability to properly um, convey long like large long classes on the spot speaks nothing to the facts of what they are actually saying um i mean if we can we can all go ourselves and look uh what is the process by evolution and in there it it has not yet spoken for a has not yet spoken for a god at least not the yahweh god that we're talking about so i am going to let you off the hook right there (laughs) So uh, thank you. Thank you, Chase, for your uh, participation in that uh, bit of torment. Um, <laughs> it could have been worse. I, I, I could sick Dale on you. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and it would be worse. <laughs> much, much worse. Um, so here's no, those, are, those are definitely very strong things. Man. Yes. So here's the here's the thing. Um, I don't even have to know what I'm talking about. Uh, I, I'm a fairly decent arguer, <laughs> uh, and uh, in say a courtroom situation, it's not the person with the most information that wins; it's the person who's the better arguer. This uh, this brings me to a, a small topic that I want to bring up, and uh, I, I think I'll uh, close with this topic, um, which is why I don't. Um, why I don't give Christian argumentation any credence and why, why it has zero power uh, to change my mind uh, about there being a God. 
so uh, Christians spend a lot of time with uh, apologetics and coming up with arguments uh, to prove their God. And many of them are, are very good at it. They're better than me. Um, so Yeah, it definitely keeps you from uh, getting to... They they found they 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 are very good at keeping you locked at talking about ideas and things. But once you actually start getting to talking about like what I mean the physical like things that we can look at and with as to what they're claiming, that's kind of where where the water keeps always getting muddy. Yes. So uh, what happens with an argument uh, is uh, often what often happens is someone. Uh, makes a better argument than another person. They someone wins. You know, it, it, an argument is kind of a competition in a way, and the winner of the argument is not the one who has the most truth. It's just the smartest person in the arena that day. Uh, so I was an athlete. Did you ever do anything athletic? Oh uh, yeah, I did a little bit of football. 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 What? Uh, what would you play? Uh, running back, and uh, if they ever felt like I was tall enough in certain schools, receiver. <laughs> okay, so look, you turned on the camera at the beginning of this, and you seem like a very thin mint. Uh, running back, honestly? Because I played defense. Even when I was little, I'd have hey. broke you in half, man. <laughs> you you would think that, but <laughs> I, like, in high school, when I was playing, like, I myself could bench three plates. I'm like, you don't have to believe that at all, um, but that was like that was where I was getting to, and I I have no clue where that strength strength came from. But I was holding people off very well. I'm not saying I was a varsity player by any means because I sucked at learning plays. But when it comes to like doing the action, yeah. I was a good running back. You just want the ball and you want to hit the hole. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I know, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Like, I was also very undisciplined. The play. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why I played defense uh, <laughs> because. <laughs> uh, there was there was a lot to there's too much discipline on offense and uh I just want the ball and I want to move forward and I don't actually care who or what's in front of me. <laughs> I just love the thrill of the thrill of the chase. <laughs> so um but anyway, yeah, so you understand uh competition and you've uh you know, you've gotten together with your team and you've uh you know, traveled somewhere and you've played another team. Uh, and you've won some games and you've lost some games. And when you win, it's not because you're better than the other team. It's just that you were better that day. Uh, yeah. It's not like you were the true epitome of football. No, you just you just uh, you, <laughs> you had did, a good you, game, right? You had a good game. You did better that day. And when you lost, it didn't mean that you were garbage. <laughs> you just you just lost. You know, win or lose, you still have pizza at the end of the game. So um, exactly, that's. Um, that sport and in in argumentation it's kind of the same way uh when you're having a debate especially a live debate kind of like uh what we were doing then you're gonna sometimes you can get trapped i mean there are there are debate tactics and strategies specifically designed to keep your opponent on the defensive and if right. you can do that, it, it doesn't matter whether you even have an argument. <laughs> if you could just keep your opponent on the defensive and make them look stupid, you win. <laughs> so, exactly. Right. And I feel, yeah, that is like, <laughs> yeah, that's the, and I feel like that is like a, that is a staple in 
like that is a, a staple in apologetic arguments is trying to get off of like the back pedal that they try and start you on because of again you're you're just you, you start in these because you have to almost you have to start with them at these broad concepts and and i would say even sometimes that can even be a mistake in and of itself uh maybe starting with them on definitely where at, at the point at which you both agree mm-hmm. and then starting from there right so this is this is a challenge um for me because i try to stay as open to as many possibilities as i can while not um while not breaking the laws of of good reason and probability um right. you know there are a lot of things that are possible that are simply so improbable that they might as well be impossible uh so right. Uh, you know, it's we haven't ruled out universe creating pixies, but I, I think it, that is so unlikely to be true. And it, if if true, it has so little uh, bearing on my day to day life. It doesn't. It doesn't warrant me spending any time pursuing it. Uh, that yeah, that I, is kind I of a, uh, a, a tangent. Uh, so I apologize. Where, <laughs> no, you're good. where I was I, going? <laughs> where where I was going was um, argumentation in and of itself cannot sway me, uh, even with things that I am, you know, technically open to. And the reason is because I know that I can lose. I lose all the time. I have plenty of conversations where I lose. It's possible for people to out-talk me, to out-argue me. Um, And I know that. I've been in enough competitive uh, conversation to realize some some days you get the bear and some days the bear gets you. That's a reference, people. Um, By the way, the bear has never gotten me, if you understand the reference. Um, But, uh, yeah, sometimes, um, sometimes that happens in an argument. And so I can never believe in a proposition like a God based on being out argued. And, uh, yeah. and that's, that's reasonable because Christians don't simply give up their belief because they got out argued. Uh, I'll, I'll mention an example. It's a little bit of a delicate example. Um, so I mean, no disrespect, but, uh, my friend Dale had a debate with Dale Tuggy uh, just recently. There's a link on uh, our boards, uh, Skeptics and Seekers, if you want to watch it there. You can go to his uh, Real Seeker Ministry uh, channel and uh, watch it. Uh, it's a very good debate on the Trinity. Dale Tuggy is kind of a, kind of the um, the foremost expert on the Unitarian view of God as opposed to the Trinitarian view. And Dale... Uh, my friend Dale, Dale Glover, is um, a, a very clever person uh, and is a Trinitarian. I think in this particular debate, uh, Dale Tuckey got the best of, of Dale. Uh, uh, and that's, you know, that's not to say that uh, Glover did a bad job. He did not. He did a great job. It's just a tug. He did a better job, uh, and I think that even uh, Dale would admit 
that that doesn't have Dale going and saying, "Well, I'm not a Christian anymore." Right? <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't make him refactor uh, his his percentage of belief uh, because he you know in his mind uh, didn't do as well in a debate. That's it. It just no. has no bearing on it whatsoever for him, and it has no bearing on me either. If I happen to lose a debate, this is why the power of argumentation is simply not enough when you're talking about a God. The only way to prove to me that there is something like a God is to is to present your God. Right? That's that's pretty much it. Uh, I I had this analogy. uh, This worked in my head. It may not work out out loud. We'll see. Um, If if your uh, spouse, your spouse, say, was uh, kidnapped. Uh, and the kidnappers were demanding that you pay them some ransom. And you said, okay, but first I need to know that my spouse is alive. If the kidnapper then starts giving philosophical arguments (laughs) about your spouse being alive, (laughs) this is not going to work. You are not going to pay this money. This is, I don't care how persuasive their argument is. That is never going to convince you what they need to do is turn the camera on and show them your spouse and let you talk to them. That's how you prove it. You don't (laughs) prove it by philosophical argument. Exactly. At the end of the day, I mean, at the end of the day, they were convinced by something that they believe physically happened to them. Um, And that's the case. I mean, you know, and, and that's the case for I would say most Christians that they physically experienced something that made them believe. Right. And I mean, if I'm, and that's that's just, I mean, let's let's say that let's say that this God is real. Then that's what anyone's asking for. Whenever I mean, so I mean, like, I guess when I was saying like, am I whenever like when I was saying like, are you saying I was being disingenuous in my ask? I mean, like just like that. I'm like for me, that was that moment where, I mean, if God wanted to do so, if if there is one like honestly any god could have done it right then and there like it, it's, it's the ask it's how is it if you if you're especially at the level what you're describing this thing i don't see how i guess anything like misunderstanding of things then follows that uh so because I, they're just they're that's that's two things you're just trying to say two things at the same time that i can and can't under like not you but the arguments uh you can and can't yeah, say, I, well, I was, I was, but I was yeah. just trying to use enough double speak to confuse you, and I did. So, uh, yeah, and, I and win. That's, yeah, like, that's where I was at. No, that's where I'm at. I would say you successfully, it got me off of, and I think that's that's always like that is always the problem that you're you're sitting here trying to argue literally two points from two angles at the same time because of how their arguments are presented. Yeah, so I I just want to say for the record, I absolutely uh, agree with your point, and I know that Christians are going to be uh, upset when I say this uh, directly, but I think that a person who is a true seeker of truth uh, and is a Christian should expect to have perfect knowledge. I don't think that that's unreasonable. I think that all Christians should have perfect knowledge of the things that, at least of the things that we can know. Right? So yeah. no one, no, no, there should be no confusion 
in in Christendom, for instance, about whether homosexuality is right or wrong. It it shouldn't be the situation that it is right now, where uh, about fifty four percent say it's okay, and the other side says it's not. <laughs> Right, that, that should not be a question. They, that, they actually brought that before God Himself, right? So this is this is there should actually be one hundred percent agreement, uh, I believe, because they should be instructed uh, by the Spirit on things like this and on questions of you know, well, should women be uh, preachers? Uh, should should women lead churches? There should there shouldn't be a question about that. That should be absolutely known. Uh, and so I, I do think there's a problem it, that it is a disconfirming thing when Christians don't seem to have uh, perfect knowledge and guidance into all truth um, about these things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially if they're saying, like, if... I mean, I guess you could... Like, I don't know how, from that side, you can make a positive a positive about anything because it like the words itself would, would I mean would have to put you in a sense of doubt every every thought you make like just because you're constantly like, like stuff like from your even with your arguments like it it sounds like even like I guess like while I was asking like do you have the divine understanding like how do you know you're not having that same I guess as you were saying a shroud like that same shroud of your eyes as the book would say that I have yeah, like, I can't again, answer like, that. There's like, no good answer to that, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, no, like I just like I obviously no, I can't prove that, but I mean, I'm not lying to you either. So, but right. like, and that's but at the same time, it's like, but we all are agreeing that we are seeing the same things out here. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I would. Um, I'd actually love to see how you do with someone who seriously intends to tear you apart. Um, it's <laughs> it's unpleasant. I can tell you that. <laughs> it's oh, uh, no, especially I, I, when yeah. you when you realize that you've gotten into the ring uh, with somebody who is uh, more determined to win than you, and who is more ruthless <laughs> than you. Uh, and the cage yeah. has been shut, and uh, there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to go at that point, but hey, um, no, now now I definitely see I got to come in here ready to ready to argue and not uh and not discuss. <laughs> oh yeah, you you thought this was going to be a friendly chat, one of those easy <laughs> lean back chats where you didn't have to think about it. No, sir, this is skeptics and seekers, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely see that next time I come on. Uh, next time if I come on here, I will definitely have to come on. Uh, come up with a little bit more resources for you. Yeah, yeah, you're going to you got to load that this gun, one. my friend. Um, Definitely doing this square in front of a just square in front of a mic and a coffee and a coffee cup in hand. <laughs> <laughs> no research materials in sight right now. So, look, it's been a pleasure. Uh would you mind if uh we called on you to uh come and chat uh, again some other time? Oh, of course, I'd love to. Why don't you make yourself known in the um in the comment section, if you've got a discuss account, you can just log in with the discuss account. Mix it up with the animals in the pit. I mean the right. uh, the the <laughs> listeners in the in the discussion channel is what I meant. <laughs> What's that account again? It's uh, a discuss. Yeah, it's just yeah. It's uh, we use discuss for our comments, and uh, we use discuss because uh, discuss is used all over the internet, and so. 
you know, there, there are a lot of places that use Discuss, and so your, your profile just travels with you wherever you go. Um, and so it's, it's not, you don't have to make a, an account special for skeptics and seekers. You can just sign in with your Discuss account. Um, okay. And so you obviously don't do a lot of internet commenting, uh, or you would probably know about Discuss. What, what, are, you, what are you doing <laughs> if you're not on the internet, man? I am, you know, I'm more of a, uh, I'm a Discorder, so I'm oh, usually. Uh, I see you're, yeah. you're young. You're a mil- no. You, what's after millennials? You're like Generation <laughs> Z or something. So um, <laughs> you are still watching cartoons. Discord? Are you kidding me? Okay, I actually know. Uh, I know of a major company or two that are using Discord. So yeah, I, no. I mean, to be quite honest, I am more a little bit. I am a little bit more new to the. Uh, to the internet arguments side of the of the game, I'm more of a needed to have my own ground understanding first, and this is, I think, more just like physically talking was like how I'd like to get into it, and definitely more commenting and and yeah. talking about. Well, you'll figure it out. Discuss is D I S Q U S. Already missed. Yeah, D I S Q U S. Um, the problem with Web 2.0. It's just a pet peeve of mine. Uh, the people who grew up uh, as Generation Xers and beyond, they, there's no way they can know how to spell. They can't. There's <laughs> spelling is all down to uh, spell correction in, in computers oh, now because everything is misspelled. Everything and it's you know for SEO purposes and all that, but nothing is spelled the way it's supposed to. And so, you know, there, there are probably kids growing up right now who think that discuss is spelled D-S-Q-U-S. Um, <laughs> I hope it, not. You know, nothing. <laughs> but it's, I, I mean, everything that they see um, on the internet that looks like, you know, an official name of a product or a company or whatever, there's some kind of cute misspelling, you know, Uh <laughs> Anyway, that's it, it. That annoys me, uh, folks. <laughs> before I go, let me just uh, let me just uh, circle back to a uh, a thing that I mentioned before: uh, surviving Corona. Corona. It's a thing that uh, we are all surviving uh, right now. Coronavirus is very real. It's a real thing. Uh, Chase, you're in uh, you're in the west uh, on the west coast. Uh, are you? Still in the Los Angeles area? Is that where you? No. You know, for where um, are you now? I'm actually, I'm in Arizona now, and we are one of the states that are opening back up. Oh yeah, no, you're you're in uh, you're in Crazy oh. Town. Is where you are. Uh, yeah, I've yeah. been I've been to Arizona a couple of times, uh, mostly going through Arizona on a bus or in a car. <laughs> and I got to tell you, the last time I was in Arizona, as uh, my wife and I was going to San Francisco, I was. Uh, a keynote speaker, I guess you call it a keynote speaker. I was a speaker at a, an event called AltConf, which is something that uh, runs alongside the Apple, the Worldwide Developer Apple Conference. Uh, I'm a tech geek, uh, also. In fact, I'm a tech geek <laughs> first. Same here. <laughs> so, um, so we were on our way to um, AltConf, and. Um, we were coming from Alabama, which is where I lived at the time, uh, and uh, we had a stopover in Phoenix. Uh, th- the bus was awful, 
it was awful and we were on it for a long time and we just had to get it was so bad it was so bad um and so we got off the bus in phoenix and it was so hot i just wanted to turn around and go back on the bus i just i at the moment i got off i realized oh god this is a mistake this is how how does anyone live? I can't breathe. The weight of the sun was crushing me. I I I was like crawling across the the asphalt to get from the bus to the gas station so that I could get a soda. I'm like I'm not going to make it, honey. Just leave me. Just I can't. That was my first summer out here and this actually the summer is coming back around now and that's exactly how I've been feeling. Man. Recently. Get like, get out of there, walking, man! I'm just get out. For, uh, walking through my pro- through work and it's like, please help me, somebody. <laughs> wow, where's a gangbanger when you need him to just shoot you? Um, <laughs> oh man, never more, never more needed one than then. <laughs> so yeah, that Arizona. Uh, here's here's my advice: if you're going through Arizona uh, and you're low on gas, just put the pedal to the metal and speed up. Don't stop for anything. Don't. Don't stop. No, don't get out of the, If it's cold, stay there. <laughs> okay. So you are in uh, Crazy Town where they are reopening uh, in uh, coronavirus denialville. Um, yeah. So, yeah, in other parts of the country, coronavirus is very real. I'm in New Jersey. Uh, so uh, we're getting to a place now where we've got more people dying a day than New York. So, yeah, another hot. Um, yeah, we are. You know, it's it's very real. I live uh, not too far uh, from uh, fire station, and we have ambulances and paramedics screaming by here all the time. And we have nursing homes uh, in senior citizens' uh, uh, apartments nearby. And uh, every day, uh, new people are loaded on the Corona wagon, and um, and they don't come back. Um, yeah, and, and that's crazy because, like, even out here. Like we we are a high population of elderly and retirement homes because it's just one of those kind of states. It's one of those settling down states. Uh, it's I I don't know how they're not being more proactive, but everyone here is just like you said in denial. It's 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 a it's a terrible thing. Um, it's a terrible thing to read about. It's a terrible thing to live in the midst of. There was a time when. Uh, I thought I had it. Uh, I had some of the symptoms, uh, but we didn't at the time. We didn't have any testing anyway, and so the doctor did not uh, suggest I go to the hospital. Uh, and uh, they were they guessed right that time <laughs> with me, but a lot of people died uh, during that time because you know they either couldn't go to a hospital or they couldn't be tested and they couldn't get the proper treatments, and there are no proper treatments, and so. Um, a lot of dead, a lot of dead. Um, exactly. Coronavirus, it's a, think- it's a terrible thing. It's, it's plague in a way that we haven't seen it, and we don't know how to deal with it, and we don't know what the right answers are. And it's a thing that makes you feel helpless. It makes you feel um, at, at your weakest. Uh, you just want to curl up in a ball and go into that denial stage uh, because to look at it face-on and, and recognize how little you can do to affect it. Uh, it's, it's a little crazy making. And, uh, so I, I 
was in that position myself. I was listening to the news every every morning. It felt like it was my duty to follow the thing. Uh, and I was I was hearing stories and reading stories about uh, healthcare workers who were wearing trash bags because they yeah. they didn't have sufficient PPEs uh, to put on. And they didn't have N95 masks, and they were saying things like, "Well, you know, wear this wear this shitty surgical mask here that we know is not going to stop the virus, but you only need to put on an N95 mask if you know that you are treating someone who has, uh, you know, a certain stage of coronavirus." This was, you know, when information. Was- but you can't even know. You can't. And that was know. always crazy. Right. No, but it's it, this is they were kind of trying to ration equipment. Uh, and things like that, and you know, just just last week, uh, I was reading about a um, nurse in her 30s uh, who died from uh, the coronavirus because she went into a patient's room. They were they were crashing. It was cold blue or something like that, uh, and she had a surgical mask on, and she didn't have access to an N95 uh, mask, and she went in to do life saving uh, treatment on that on that person. She was dead in seven days. Um, this is this is still happening, right? So, people, if you think that the coronavirus is some ancient history that uh, was going on last month, but not this month, no, it's it's still going on. And so, I, uh, I understand. You barely even come to understand what is going on, and they're saying we're out of it. Yeah, no, it's it's. Um, it's crazy making. So I, I decided to uh, assess what I could do. You know, I, I wanted to be able to help, you know, at least, you know, make sure that doctors weren't wearing trash bags. You know, that's a start because that doesn't inspire confidence. <laughs> you know, the doctor and uh, <laughs> right? wearing a trash bag and a clown nose. And uh, <laughs> that's because. So what seems to be the problem, it. sir? You. <laughs> yeah, so. We're like, uh, what seems to be the problem, sir? Uh, <laughs> those clown noses really pinch. Uh, so, <laughs> but um, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to do something. You know, I looked at my bank account. Uh, oh, that's not going to pay for a, uh, a, a ventilator. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how much ventilators cost, uh, but I'm pretty sure it costs more than that. Um, and you know what do I have? Well, I got a microphone. I've got a middling ability to make words, uh, and a handful of friends. And uh, I decided to do what I do uh, whenever I feel uh, distressed. I I started writing and uh, brought uh, a few people along with me, and uh, together, uh, Christians and non-believers alike, uh, eight nine of us all together, uh, came together to write "Surviving Corona Believers." And non-believers examine their worldview in this time of crisis, and uh, so we did that. We have uh, luminaries such as Randall Rouser, uh, uh, a, a theological professor; uh, Thomas Ord, also another theological uh, professor; J- uh, Justin Briley, uh, uh, an international uh, broadcaster. Uh, we've got uh, less known but uh, no less gifted uh, David uh, Russell. Uh, we've got one of my favorite human beings, Natalie Collins, a uh, social justice warrior. Uh, she is my kind of cray. Uh, we'll be talking to her soon uh, on the show. 
Uh, and then we got uh, we have some people from the last book project that I was there. It was me, uh, Matt, Sarah, uh, and uh, Andrew, uh, and uh, we came together and um, put put together a very nice uh, booklet. Uh, not not terribly long, but very uh, a very accessible view of um, the doctrine of suffering from both a believer and non-believer perspective and to just take a look at how our various worldviews are working out in real time uh and guess what it's uh, the things that we think that we believe are not always the things that we actually believe when if if our actions reveal what we actually believe it's different than what we say we believe oftentimes and so uh, yep. we, we had to take an honest view and an honest assessment of that, put it together. You can buy it, uh, today. It is online. It is ready for download. You can get a, a an EPUB version of that. It'll open on pretty any machine. If you've got, uh, some EPUB software, uh, the Kindle software, all of it's free. Uh, if you've got a smartphone, you don't need any extra software, a tablet, you don't need any extra software. Um, but, uh, you can, you can, uh, purchase it. It's, it's wait for it. Two dollars and ninety nine cents. Two dollars and ninety nine cents. <laughs> Shall I tell you how much I spent uh, on my last Starbucks coffee back in the days when it was legal to go get a Starbucks coffee? <laughs> it was it was more than two dollars and ninety nine cents, and I didn't even finish it, and it made me kind of sick to the stomach. This is two ninety nine uh, two dollars and ninety nine cents. You will finish it. And it will not make you sick to the stomach. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. It will not make you sick to the stomach. If it makes you sick to the stomach, I will buy an extra copy myself. That is my guarantee. (laughs) Guarantee it. Um, And um, so, look, I know that that things like this don't happen $2.99 at a time. I know people like to use the... um, the, the old joke, how do you eat an elephant? Well, you eat it one bite at a time. Uh, I want to raise $5,000. All of the proceeds are going to the International Red Cross. So I, I am not getting rich off of this. Um, it all goes to the International Red Cross because they know what to do uh, with donations. They're very good about that. Um, but I'm not going to raise $5,000, $2.99 at a time. It's going to take a long time. Uh, I get that. But there's another way to help, and it goes toward the same thing. There's a donate button when you go to the page. I'll tell you the page in a moment. Uh, but uh, please buy the book. Get the download. $2.99. By the way, if uh, you get the download for whatever reason, you can't open it or your download doesn't work or you know you don't have the ability to read an EPUB, just shoot me a, a, an email, skepticsandseekers at gmail.com. I will send you a PDF uh, copy of it. So that is uh, available as well. Uh, But you can hit the donate button. And when you hit the donate button, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give $50. I want you to... Let's not fuck around here. Okay? You can give any amount you want. You can give a dollar. That's fine. You can write it. You can put in whatever amount you want. I want you to give $50 today uh, to this cause. Because if we're going to make this work, if we're going to give a big truckload... Uh, of money to the people who know how to distribute it to the people who need it the most, then we need some big contributions. And by the way, we have had some big contributions. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we have had some big contributions. I think we're going to hit this goal. We're not going to hit it $2.99 at a time. Let the $2.99 be the uh, offer that gets you in the door. Come for the book. Stay for the donation. If you're wondering how much of a donation is a good idea, 50 bucks. 50. I have had atheists give 50 bucks, and we don't have a soul, and we don't have any morality. We are, we are sick, hell-bound, kindling for the fire, and, and we are giving $50 at a time. Christians, you can do better than that, okay? Even we realize we don't need it. I mean, come on. Are you, are you really going to let the atheists out give you? I can tell you right now because I, I see the donations and I know who's giving what. The highest donation comes from an atheist. The most money given at one time is from an I know that for a fact. Christians, when I say 50 bucks, I'm talking about table stakes. If you think that you're going to get on the leaderboard with 50 bucks, fuck. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> no, sir. You can't even reach the surface to scratch it with 50 bucks. You're going to have to do better than that. I'm just saying, get in the game. Let's play the game to win. 50 bucks. Okay, great. You don't have 50 bucks. We'll take five. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not going to turn it down. I'm just saying, if you want to feel really good about helping with this cause, what you want to do is give 50 bucks. I have found, I've done a lot of scientific research, and I have found that $50 is exactly the right amount to give you that really warm and fuzzy feeling that makes you say, I made a difference. You don't get that with five bucks. I mean, five bucks is good. You know, you're on the team. But then again, you know, the water boy's on the team. 50 bucks. You've made a difference. Trust me. If you have already given five or ten dollars and you don't feel the feeling that I'm describing now, it's because you need to deep dig a little deeper. 50 bucks. You are going to feel so good about yourself for at least the next paycheck. At which point you're going to want to give another 50 bucks just to get that feeling again. Okay. Uh, so look, uh, this is, this is not sales. This is fundraising. Okay. We're not, we're not going to change the world to 99 at a time. Uh, so seriously, help me, help me climb that mountain and, um, and make this donation. And by the way, in case you're wondering, Let's say uh, a, a generous person just donates $5,000. I, I expect that to happen. Somebody is going to donate $5,000. And then we will have reached our goal. And then you might wonder, well, what happens after you've reached your goal and you have sent that $5,000 to the International Red Cross? Are you just going to start keeping it after that? Are you going to shut the project down after that? Oh, no. Oh, no. What we are going to do is continue taking your money and sending it all to the International Red Cross as much as possible for as long as possible. And if we can send $10,000, that's even better. That's even better. So buy the book. Buy the book. And and then donate $50. I guarantee guarantee you're going to love the way you look. (laughs) Um, so, uh, that said, uh, there is also a, uh, uh, we can, we, uh, there's a full 
uh, you know, we will support you technically if you have technical, technical support with downloads. Uh, heck, if you give $50 and you don't feel good about it and you need to give it back, uh, we can refund it too. Uh, we're, we're operating like a legitimate business, people. We're, we're, uh, we're doing this uh, because this is something that we can do. And if you are feeling as desperate as I was and in as much despair as I was and as helpless as I was, join me. Join me. Uh, help help us uh, do this together. Let us make a difference. Let's do this, uh, you know, across ideological lines. Uh, you know, if if I can if I can work with the likes of Randall Rouser. I mean, have you heard this guy? He's a tough he's a tough customer. If I can if I can work with that guy, and if that guy can work with me, we can work together. And make a real difference. I really appreciate you. Thank you for your support. Skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. The very first tab at the top left of that page says Surviving Corona. Click it and then follow the prompts thereafter. Chase, it's been, uh, it's been wonderful uh, to have you on the program. And I hope that we will Thank have you, you again. Uh, we look forward to seeing you in the comments and uh, everybody else uh, have a great day and a great week. Talk to you again. Bye-bye now. Bye.